Well, it is a privilege to get to bring God's word to you this morning. Uh, Pastor David's over in Marshall today. This is his first time to get to go over there. And so since it was Spark Weekend, he said, why don't you preach at Moberly? And, uh, and I'm actually preaching a different message at 11 because all the kids will be in here and it's sort of their last session for Spark Weekend. Uh, but today I want to talk about something that I think relates to them and relates to us as well, obviously. Uh, recently, I read a study, I mean, just a few weeks ago, that just came out from Lifeway Christian Resources, and um, it was all about identifying the church's greatest needs. And so what Lifeway did is they interviewed a thousand pastors in America, Protestant pastors, not all Southern Baptist pastors, but they interviewed a thousand pastors, and they came up with a list of 44 common needs that pastors say right now is a great or great needs for the church but there was one need that rose to the top of that list that was above all the rest of those needs and I wonder if you'd take a guess at what that might be what do you think the greatest need of the current church is today I wonder what you would say that is might, might be a lot of different things well um, I wasn't totally surprised by it what they found in their study is that pastors identified the greatest need of the church was this developing leaders in the church. Does that surprise you? That pastors would say the greatest need of the church today in America is developing leadership, developing leaders in the church today. That, the reason that doesn't surprise me is um, because for the last uh, 10 or so years before COVID, our church was involved in planting a lot of churches. In fact, if you've never been out to the mission wall out here in the South Foyer, I encourage you to take a look sometime at, at that wall because that wall demonstrates several of the churches, they're not all out there, but several of the churches in the last 12 years or so that Moberly has been involved in helping to plant. Some we started by ourselves, some we partnered with other churches to start in the western part of the United States and other parts of the world. And um, some of them made it, some of them didn't. But we helped plant a lot of churches and one of my responsibilities as the teaching pastor at Moberly before COVID was to travel to some of these church plants and to supply preach for them if they had a need or if they lost their pastor for example their pastor moved on and they might need someone to supply preach for a few weeks and and often beyond just preaching what I would try to do is go kind of assess where the church was and what their needs were well, the reason I say that that doesn't surprise me that the church's greatest need is leadership is because in every one of those situations, I would have said that every one of those church plants' greatest need was to develop leadership. You know, I would get to the ground, I'd get on the ground there, and I'd meet the people that were in the church. Oftentimes, I didn't know them from anybody, and they may or may not even have known who Moberly was necessarily. Uh, so I'm a total stranger coming in, and, and I would find who the one or two leaders were in those church plants and oftentimes they were lay people just like you and they would uh, begin to tell me about the church how the church was doing you know you talk about things like attendance how many people are coming how many people are giving what's the giving like how many people have trusted Christ as Savior this year those kinds of things and then I would ask this question they would never bring this up but I would ask this question what has the church been doing in the last year, year and a half, two years, whatever it might have been, what has your church been doing to develop leaders? Crickets. Almost every time. So I'm not surprised that pastors would say even today 
that even in established churches, that their greatest need is to develop leaders. What are leaders? Leaders are people who take responsibility for their influence. That's a very simple definition. They're people who step up and say, I realize I have influence, uh, not with everybody, but with a certain group of people, and I'm going to take responsibility to make sure that I use that influence for the Lord. Now, I'll be honest with you, uh, there are a lot of situations that, that come up in these church plants that are, that are huge situations, and I'll, I'll share a couple of stories in a minute, but I want us to go to God's Word this morning and look at what God's Word says about this idea of leadership and leadership development, and I want to go to a place that we don't typically go. I want to go to the book of Titus. So if you have your Bible this morning, you can go ahead and turn to Titus. It's one of the letters that Paul wrote to a man named Titus, uh, and uh, he gave him some very specific instruction, three chapters. I don't know. I was trying to think about it before as I was preparing this week. I don't know that I've ever heard a sermon from the book of Titus. <laughs> Maybe you haven't either. I, I can't remember the last time, if I did, when that might have been. And Titus is an interesting book. It's a book, about, it's a book about leadership. It's a book about people who were leading for God and doing what God wanted them to do. So if you have your Bible this morning, you can stand with me out of reverence for God and for his word. And we're going to read Titus chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9 for us. So you can follow along there in your copy of God's Word or on the screens. This is what it says. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life that God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. In his own time, he has revealed his word in the preaching with which I was entrusted by the command of our God and our, or of God our Savior, to Titus, my true son, in our common faith. Grace and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Savior. Verse 5. The reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone, and as I directed you to appoint elders in every town. An elder must be blameless, the husband of one wife, with faithful children who are not a accused of wildness or rebellion. As an overseer of God's household, he must be blameless, not arrogant, not hot-tempered, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, not greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, self-controlled, holding to the faithful message as taught so that he will be able to both encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. Thank you. You can be seated this morning. Well, this is a familiar passage. Uh, if, you've, if you've looked at Titus before, there's a list here, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, of qualifications. But I don't really want to talk about elders this morning. What I want to talk about is Titus's life. What do we know about Titus? Well, Paul says he was his son in the faith. So Paul obviously had led Titus to the Lord. And if you read the epistles, the letters that Paul wrote, you find Titus's name in several of those. Titus was with Paul a lot. Titus is never called a pastor. He's never called an elder. He's not called a deacon. He doesn't have a title. Titus is a guy who is a leader. That's what I would call Titus. A guy that Paul discipled, that Paul led to the Lord, and then Paul leaves to do a very responsible and uh, big task. And so um, we see that uh, in Galatians 2, for example, you see Titus is mentioned there as one of the men that was with Paul and Barnabas in Antioch when the Judaizers came to Antioch to say, oh no, to become a Christian, you have to become Jewish too. So Titus is not Jewish. He's a Greek. 
And so if you read Galatians 2, you'll see that Paul defended Titus and Titus was with him and with them when they went down to Jerusalem to get, meet with the elders of the church in Jerusalem to figure out really what the gospel was and what was going to be required of people in order to receive the gospel and what the true gospel was. So, so Titus is mentioned in several different places and, and uh, is an important character in the New Testament, but, but we don't know really what his title is. So when I look at the book of Titus, I see some principles, some things that I think are important for all of us who seek to do what God wants us to do in our time and day, to be leaders, to be the kind of leaders that he wants us to be. There are four principles that I want to share with you this morning. And the first is this, leadership is about calling. Leadership is about calling. I'll make this statement. You are exactly who God has called you to be in your life. You're not who your parents say you are. You're not who your friends say you are. You're not even who you say you are. Did you know that? You are exactly the person God has called you to be. So who has God called you to be? What is your calling in life? Has God called you to be a leader? Has God called you to use your influence in a way that honors him? Absolutely he has. Because God wants to use each of us in amazing ways to do things for him. So I think that um, one of those church plants that I got to go to, interesting story. So I remember meeting with, uh, and I won't tell you which one it was, it doesn't matter, but I, I remember meeting with the two, there were two men in this particular church plant. Their pastor had left and they were without any vocational leadership. And there were two laymen in the church who had been running the church essentially. One had been taking, they'd been taking turns preaching and uh, but neither of them felt a sense of call to ministry, to be vocational ministers. But they were leaders nonetheless. So I came in on a Saturday, got there to the church early Sunday morning, began to meet people, preached, hung out with, had a fellowship time afterwards, and I hung out with people and talked to them. And then I went to lunch with these two leaders. And I remember talking to them about that very question. I asked that question, you know, how have you been developing leaders? And it was kind of like we really haven't been. And that's our problem. It's just me and him. Me and him have to do everything. <laughs> we run everything. We have to be at everything. We have to organize everything. And so, interesting, about 50 people had come to church that morning. And so I began to say, well, <clears throat> I met this lady, so-and-so. Um, why, why couldn't she be? Oh, she could never be a leader. She's got this, this, this. Began to say things about her past that she could never be a leader. Okay, okay. Well, I met this guy. There was a guy running sound this morning. And I had a good conversation with him. He seemed like a guy to me that, oh, no, no, you don't know him. He's, he's, so every person that I mentioned, and I didn't know that many people. I'd only been there that one morning. But every single person that I mentioned, they shot down. I said, well, who else is there? This is your church. This is who God has brought together in this place. You guys have very self-limiting thoughts about the people that are in your church. Has God called any of them to be leaders in your church? Well, I don't see how he could, you know, because they're the past and whatever. Look, the reality is we're not who we say we are. We're not who other people say we are. We are who God has called us to be. And God had called some of these people, I believe, to be leaders. Now, to be pastors, not necessarily, no. But to lead, to do important things for the kingdom of God, to use their influence for the Lord, yes, 
And yet, there were people in leadership who wouldn't allow them to rise to that position of influence in their church. Sometimes we do that to ourselves. Sometimes other people do that to us. I ask people sometimes if you're interested in leading something, and people never want to lead anything. You know, they, <laughs> at church, people are always like, oh, no, 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 not me. I'm not a leader. Why? Well, that's not the way I see myself, right? You are not who you say you are. You are who God has called you to be. And Titus is a perfect example of that because Titus is a man who's been given this amazing responsibility. He's been left on this island, Crete, and he's been told to finish the work that was started there and then to do something, to go and appoint pastors in every city. They estimate that there were up to 100 different cities on the island of Crete at this time. No small task that Paul has left with Titus to do. Do you think Titus went, wait a minute, I, I don't know how to do this. I don't have any training to do this. I'm just Titus. I don't, I'm not even an apostle. I'm not even a pastor. I don't have a book. You know, I do now have a book named after me, but I mean, I don't even really know what I'm supposed to be doing. Who am I to go do this important thing? Well, the reality is it's not what we think of ourselves. It's what God's called us to do. So I want you to go back and look in those first four verses there. And I want you to listen for how Paul describes himself to Titus. Look at what he says. He describes himself as a slave of God. He describes himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ, as someone who's a faith and knowledge builder of God's elect. He's an entrusted preacher or proclaimer. He says he's been entrusted with the word. He's a representative for God and for Jesus. Now, let me ask you this. When you see the, the way that Paul thinks of himself, the way he describes himself, do you hear the insecurity in him? The timidity? The inadequacy? No. You don't hear any of that. That's not the way we think of Paul at all, is it? Did Paul have a past? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. Paul was arresting Christians and throwing them in jail. He was having Christians killed. That's Paul. Paul was holding their coats when they stoned Saul. Stephen, sorry. Paul was there. Paul had a past. I bet Paul's friends would have been like, oh, not Paul. He can't be a leader. I mean, look what he did. But Paul's not who his friends say he is. He's not who the peers in his life say he is. Paul is who God has called him to be. And he doesn't walk around with any sense of inadequacy. Paul carries himself with the authority and the dignity that his calling requires. Why don't we? We've been called to lead. Most of us have been called to lead someone else in our lives, to be a leader for Jesus Christ. And when we get called to lead, <clears throat> we should carry ourselves in the same way that you see Paul carrying himself here. You know, Charles Spurgeon has a quote. He used to tell young preacher boys, he would say, if God calls you to preach, don't stoop to be a king. And I always loved that. When, when kids were called to ministry, I always write that in their Bibles because it's not just about preaching. It's when God calls you to lead. Don't stoop to do something else, even something the world would esteem highly, a president, a king, a governor, a mayor, whatever it might be. No, don't stoop to do anything less than what God's called you to do because God has a plan that involves using us to do amazing things in the lives of other people. So it's calling. 
Um, <clears throat> you think about what Titus did here. He was left to do this important work to appoint elders. And elders were pastors. They're overseers. Uh, he's left to do this amazing, important job. And it doesn't say that Paul left anyone with him. We don't know. He might have. But it doesn't say that, that he had any specific training to do that. He's going to rely on the Lord. But do you think when he came into those towns and he met with those churches, do you think that those people regarded Titus as a leader? Yeah. Paul sent me here. God sent me here through Paul, but Paul sent me here to establish a pastor for your church, to help come to the place where we have a pastor to lead your church. Where did those pastors come from? Thin air? They came from those churches. They came from the people that were already gathered in those churches. There wasn't a pastor training school on the island of Crete. They were just going and getting guys and bringing them to these different cities and saying, now here's your pastor. He's been in the training school for three years. He's ready to go. There wasn't any of that. Titus had an enormous job that he was given to do, and he does it with the dignity of a guy who understands his calling. I'm afraid that our modern version of Christianity, uh, when it comes to leading, I'm afraid that our number one criteria for deciding whether to, do, uh, to lead in a certain way or not lead in a certain way is comfort. I'll lead if it's comfortable for me, if I feel comfortable about doing it. That is foreign to the New Testament. <laughs> That's not really New Testament Christianity. The criteria in the New Testament is calling. God called me to do this. It's not about my comfort. It's not whether I'm comfortable or not comfortable. It's about whether I'm called or not called. And uh, with Titus, <clears throat> we see a man who followed his calling to do what God wanted him to do, and that was leading others to put their faith in Jesus Christ and then leading others to become pastors in these different cities. So I would say leadership, first of all, is about calling. Secondly, <clears throat> leadership is about character. He talks about here in, this, in verses um, 6 through 9, these different characteristics. He talks about being blameless twice. You know what blamelessness is. Excuse me, I'm going to get a drink of water. <clears throat> I've had a cold this week and my voice is kind of weak today. Um, so he talks about blamelessness. And blamelessness is not the same thing as perfection. There are no perfect people. We know that. But people can be blameless. Blamelessness is when you take care of your sin, when you go and make right the wrongs that you've committed against someone. You ask for forgiveness. You admit that you were wrong. You own it. When you do that, it doesn't mean the person's going to forgive you automatically, but it means that they can no longer blame you because you've been willing to own your sin. That's what blamelessness means. Blamelessness means, hey, I'm sorry that I did what I did. I realize I was wrong. I ask you to forgive me. That's owning it. That's being blameless. And he says here, among other things, to be blameless, to practice marital and parental leadership. He talks about not being arrogant or hot-tempered or addicted to much wine and all these different things. But at the end of the day, what it's really about is integrity. He's talking about a leader is all about character. If you've ever had a leader in your life, maybe a boss or someone else that was a leader and they didn't have a strong character, it, it maybe was hard to follow them. It, it wasn't easy to do. In the church, character obviously trumps just about everything else. But when you're called to be a leader, your character ought to follow that. And so in 1 Timothy, there's, there's a similar list for pastors and there's a list for deacons. And, and they're high standards because leaders ought to be held to a high standard in terms of their character, in terms of their integrity. 
And integrity, the way I think of integrity is with integrity, all the parts match up. The outside matches the inside. Several years ago, we, we used to have this huge oak tree in the side of our yard that was probably over 100 years old. And these limbs would hang way, way down. And so one day I was like, this limb was hanging way, way down at the ground. And I thought, you know, I bet I could jump up there and grab that limb and break it off, you know, at the very end. So I got a running start. <laughs> and I, I did my best vertical leap and I grabbed a hold of the limb. Much to my surprise, the limb broke, but not right above my head. The limb broke at the trunk where it was about this big around. Now, that shouldn't have happened. And after I unburied myself from the, the tree limb in the yard, it's now about half the size of my yard, and I was all scratched up, and I was like looking around going, who's driving by seeing this, you know? I go back and examine that limb, and at the trunk, like I said, the limb's about this big around, but it's only about an inch thick all the way around. The integrity of that limb was gone. The inside of that limb was rotten. The tree had a disease. I didn't know that. Well, much to my surprise, the outside of the tree didn't match the inside. And what Paul's talking about to Titus is when you go look for pastors, when you go look for leaders, look for people whose character is the same on the inside and the outside. There's integrity. The parts all match up. There's not some lack of integrity in their lives. That's important for us <clears throat> because if we're going to follow people, we've got to follow people who have good character, who have proven character. And, and I think most of us would admit that it's difficult to follow someone who doesn't have proven character. Leadership's not a title you get. Leadership happens when you have the character to match what you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So, so leadership is certainly about that. It's about calling. It's about character. And third this morning, leadership is about courage. Now, I mentioned this a minute ago, and it's not explicitly mentioned here, but we don't have any evidence that Titus had ever done this job before, that he'd ever gone and appointed elders anywhere else, that he'd ever been responsible to go find pastors and appoint them and set them up in these churches and to make sure that these churches could succeed. We have no evidence that he'd ever done anything like this before. But you don't hear Titus saying, what if I fail? What if I'm not good enough to do this? Then what, won't that be my legacy? That would be my reputation from now on is that I failed at this particular thing God called me to do. We don't hear any of that in Titus. But that might be the way you and I thought about such a monumental task that God gave us. Can you imagine somebody saying to you, hey, I want you to go to this island over here and establish 100 churches, <laughs> you know? Go for it. Ready? Break. And you're like, wait a minute. I don't, I, I, I don't think I can do that. I don't know how to do that. I'm not trained. All the excuses would start piling up, right? We'd all start to go, I don't think I can do that. You don't hear that from Titus. Titus was a man of courage, I believe. Because of his call, I think it all comes back to your call, but when you're called to do something, you have the courage to do it. One of my favorite definitions of courage came out of the courageous movie several years ago. I don't know who's original to, but uh, I won't claim it. It's just something that I try to live by, and it's helped me a lot. And it's this courage is the awareness that something is more important than the thing that you're afraid of. You can apply that to a lot of things in your life, but certainly that's true when it comes to leading in the church. There are times we get called to lead in different capacities and we may feel intimidated by the responsibility of whatever that leadership position is. We've been through a lot in the last two years as a church. We've had a lot of different people in our church who stepped up to lead in a lot of different ways. I'm not talking about our staff. 
That kind of goes without saying. I'm talking about people who don't work here, who are members of our church. A lot of people have stepped up to lead in a lot of different ways in uncertainty. And that's amazing. That's great. We, the church has to have leaders like that. But we need more. We need more leaders because that's what the church is based on and built on is, is the leadership of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. So I say that Titus had courage. Not everyone in the Bible always stepped up and did what God wanted them to do. You remember those stories. You remember Saul when he was appointed to be king, first king of Israel. Where was he? They found him hiding in the luggage. He's like, I don't want to do this. I didn't ask for this, right? What about Jonah? God calls him to go preach to Nineveh, and ultimately God knows he's going to bring revival to all these people and save all these people. And Jonah's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go do that. I don't like the Ninevites. I don't want to go over there and do this, you know? So not everybody automatically always stepped up and did what God called him to do as a leader. But with Titus, you get the sense that he carried that out. He did what God asked him to do. He had the courage to say whatever his sense of unpreparedness might have been, he didn't allow that to keep him from stepping up and doing what God called him to do which was to go and help plant these churches and, and establish these pastors. And then the fourth thing this morning, quickly, is this. Leadership is not only about calling and character and courage, but the last thing this morning is leadership is about cooperation. Now, I want you to think about this. How many people are mentioned in Titus 1 through 9? Paul's mentioned. Titus is mentioned. Elders are mentioned. But that's really it, right? There's a lot of people that are cooperating together that aren't mentioned. In Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost happens, it says in Acts 2 that there were people from Crete in Jerusalem during the day of Pentecost. We know that people were there from all over the world and that ultimately they went back to where they were from and they had witnessed the birth of the church because the Holy Spirit came on the church in Acts 2. And so they took that understanding, that vision, they took that picture back to wherever they were from and realized that God was doing a new thing through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit was real and the church was born. And so <clears throat> there were people there from Crete that day. But between that time and the time that God calls Titus to go and help do this work in Crete, we don't know who the people were there who, for example, shared the gospel. Who shared the gospel on the island of Crete? Who led those people to Jesus? And then after they were believers, who discipled them? Who taught them? There wasn't even a New Testament written down yet at this point. So they're using the Old Testament scriptures to understand what God's doing. Who were the people that discipled them? There had to be people that discipled them. And as I said a minute ago, <clears throat> for there to be people who were ready to step up and lead and pastor churches, who had discipled those people? To the, to the point that they were ready to step up and be the leader of the church. Someone had, I guarantee you. And that process that we think about is true in every church. You're here today, and if you had to name a list of people that had poured into your life spiritually, I bet that'd be a long list. Probably. Who led you to the Lord, and then after that, who discipled you? A lot of different people. My Sunday school teacher, my connect group leader, the Bible study leader, somebody at Bible study fellowship a friend at work. I mean, it might be a long list of leaders that have been in your life. My question for you is, whose, whose list are you on today? There are people serving the Lord all around the world today, and I bet 
you're, some of you are on their list of people who helped to disciple them, maybe to lead them to the Lord, taught them spiritually something. That's the beautiful thing about leadership. It's a cooperative effort. None of us do the whole thing by ourselves. People cooperate together in the body of Christ. We use our gifts, but we lead other people together and we see amazing things happen. Where are the people that defended the faith against the Judaizers? Where are the people that did all these wonderful things? Because those things happened. And you know, if you read on down in First Titus chapter 1 there, you'll see that the Cretans didn't have a great reputation. You know, Paul says they're known as liars and evil beasts and gluttons, lazy gluttons. I mean, it's not a glowing uh, description of the people that lived on the island of Crete. So it's not an easy place to be. But in the midst of that, here's God calling Titus through Paul to go be this amazing leader to establish these pastors in these different churches. So the question this morning as we think about our church, if we think about Moberly, because this is a church full of leaders. We are, that's our mission statement. We are people leading other people into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. The question is, where are you leading? How has God called you to lead? You understand the character involved in that. Where's the courage? It takes courage to step up and lead. And some of us, again, are more concerned with our comfort than we are with the calling that God's placed on our life. And I would encourage you to really examine that question this week as you leave here in a few minutes. Where has God called me to lead at Moberly Baptist Church? And how am I using the gifts that he's given me to lead others? Because this church, well, if, if the church's greatest need is leadership, then that's our greatest need as well. And it'll never rise, we'll never rise above the leadership that needs that we have. And so this morning, I want to close by just challenging you to do something. Um, we mentioned earlier praying for our youth ministry, and, and I do believe there are a lot of potential leaders in that group of 7th through 12th grade students, and there are a lot of adults who are pouring into them this week, who are leading them this week. Um, but there's always a greater need. Children's ministry, youth ministry, when you partner with Moberly, you, you partner to help people change the world. They're, they're kids that are going to leave here and do amazing things. One of the things that I think would be fascinating to do is just to track all the different kids who've come through our ministry who are serving the Lord somewhere in missions today around the world. And we won't know all of those because I've lost touch with some of them, but there are a lot of kids who've come through our youth ministry who are, who are leading other ministries and churches and missions all around the world uh, because some of you were their disciples. Some of you were the people that led into the Lord and ministered to them and cooperated in that process. And so I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes this morning. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. And I want to ask you just to do something, and that is just ask the Lord over the next few days particularly, but start this morning by just asking the Lord, Lord, how do you want to use me as a leader at Marley Baptist Church? Maybe you've been leading, maybe you haven't. If you'll just pray that sincere prayer this morning, how do you want to use me to lead at Marbury Baptist Church? Father, I'm thankful this morning that you don't just leave us to our own devices. You don't leave us even in our own comfortable surroundings, Lord, but you call us into something that's eternal something that matters, something that has power, the gospel. 
to see lives changed. And God, I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for what you have done in the past through the leaders that exist in this church. But my prayer, God, is that you would call out more leaders, more and more, as the days get darker around us, Lord, as times get harder, my prayer is that people would understand their calling and step up to fulfill the call that you've put on their lives. Lord, I'm thankful again today for what you're doing here, and I pray that you'll continue it. I pray that you will lead us to our next leader, that you'll bless our, our, call, our uh, pastor search committee as they look for our next pastor, Lord. I pray you just give them great wisdom, a leader, a man to lead our church. But Father, today we commit these things to you and we thank you today for Jesus and we pray in his name. Amen.